0: I have been in fight-or-flight mode for most of my life. What that has done to my brain and my body, my mental well-being, is, if I continue at this rate, catastrophic.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world, thanks to each and every single one of you that come back every week to listen, learn, and grow. And I am so excited to be talking to you today. And I'd love to invite you to come and see me for my global tour, Love Rules. Go to jsheddytour.com to learn more information about tickets, VIP experiences, and more. I can't wait to see you this year. Now, I find it really an amazing fortune that I get to sit down with incredible people who are so open, vulnerable, led us in to details about their lives so that we can feel a sense of connection to them, but also understand that we're not alone in some of the pains that we go through, some of the challenges that we have, and also that we can learn from some of the changes they've made, from some of the transitions and transformations they've been through as well. And today's guest has a truly inspiring story that I cannot wait to share with you. I'm talking to none other than Lily Reinhart. Lily has quickly amassed an impressive resume as one of Hollywood's most exciting young actors on screen and is quickly becoming a multifaceted talent with projects as an executive producer and author. Lily will next be seen starring in the incredible next Netflix film, which I want you to go and check out, Look Both Ways, which she is also an executive producer of. Lily will star as Natalie, whose life on the eve of her college graduation diverges into two parallel realities. I find that fascinating. Can't wait. Uh, one in which she becomes pregnant and must navigate motherhood as a young adult in her Texas hometown, the other in which she moves to L.A. to pursue her career. I can relate to the latter. Uh, Lily recently starred and executive produced the coming-of-age drama Chemical Hearts based on the best-selling novel our chemical hearts. And Lily starred opposite our dear friend Jennifer Lopez in the film Hustlers, which went on to make over 150 million at the box office. And of course, Lily plays our favorite Betty Cooper in the TV series Riverdale. And for her performance, Lily won 17 choice awards and has been nominated for three People's Choice Awards. On top of all of this, I don't know how she has the time and we will ask her that. As an author, Lily wrote Swimming Lessons, which is a collection of poems. I'm a huge fan of poetry, so can't wait to dive into that. Beyond all of this, the part that I'm really excited about is Lily is an activist for mental health and body image and uses her platform to raise awareness to these deeply important issues. Please welcome to the show. Lily, thank you for doing this. What
0: an intro. but It's true. You You have to live it. (laughs) Well, hearing it all in front of you is is a little bit like... Oh, right. I forgot about those things. Um, But thank you so much for having me. It's truly such an honor. I'm a fan. My friends are fans. They're stoked for me to be here. I
1: love hearing that. That means the world. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I'm deeply looking forward to this conversation. I do like to remind people of the incredible awards and accolades and the incredible success that you've achieved because you've been on your own path to get there. It hasn't come to you. You've made changes shifts transitions as i said but i wanted to start off kind of how we did when you first came in because i love that we discovered that you're addicted to junk food and sweets and i can relate Mm -hmm. and so i had to ask you what is your favorite junk food to start off with
0: I mean, I'm a, like, a, I love Taco Bell. <laughs> I am a fast food. I grew up having fast food. I'm a fast food. And of course, it's the most addicting thing in the world. So very addicted to fast food.
1: Well, you said to me you had something on the way in. I
0: had McDonald's. Okay. <laughs> uh, regrettably. And I, and I said, as I was pulling into the drive through that I'm actively hurting my body and my <laughs> brain as I'm participating in this. But sometimes you need fast food i was like i need to i have my podcast i need to be i'm sure it'll actually be slowing down my brain but i I needed to i needed to eat something it was there i could have stopped into air one and gotten something but i've actually never been inside an air one in my life so (laughs) you know we we had to keep it real today
1: i get it i got off a flight the other day and i was exhausted and i had to drive home from the airport Mm -hmm. and i got myself a sprite And I got myself a burger and fries on the way home at 10 p.m.
0: That's always, you know, even when you're trying to make the healthiest decisions in the world, it's just convenient. Yeah. That's the hardest thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And wait, you love sweets too. And I I wanted to find out, does that mean like... Sour candy, does that mean sweet tooth? Like what, mm, what is sweet? Is that chocolate? Sweet. Is it?
0: I'm not I mean I love ice cream. Okay. I love everything. <laughs> I love I love candy. I'm I love like milk duds are my candy of choice, but I love Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, I
1: love Sour Patch Kids. I cream. love
0: savory ice cream like savory ice cream well i don't know i don't know if that's the right that, word yeah. actually probably not the right word i just love ice cream in <laughs> yeah. general yeah yeah, yeah, yeah
1: yeah i'm always happy to connect on this these truths <laughs> because i think as soon as we start talking about health and wellness everyone yeah. everyone thinks that you live this perfect life and i know yeah. i don't too i am like i said i'm looking forward to sunday oh, to right. kind of ordering my burger and fries but right. one of the things that i find fascinating about you when when we were doing our research is that you started out and you've had multiple jobs before this. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. You've had multiple different careers uh, and things I looked at was like, you were a hostess at a restaurant, you worked at a bakery, you're a sales associate, a role at Pier One Imports. Yeah. And when I saw that list, I was like, this is incredible. Talk to me about what you learned from each of those roles and each of those jobs
0: it's funny because i was literally a hostess at a restaurant for three hours and then i quit because i had a panic attack in the bathroom i worked at a bakery for one shift five hours had a panic attack quit for some reason pier one imports is the only (laughs) it's like the only job that i was able to have outside of acting where i didn't have a panic attack although I'm pretty sure I did have a panic attack but I didn't quit that one but yeah I mean I had to make money I I I wanted to pursue my career in LA and you obviously need funds to move across the country and do so and support myself so I I struggled through a job there it wasn't that it wasn't that bad it was mostly i i know how to break down boxes really well i I worked in the stock room breaking down boxes it was fun during christmas time opening all i was like it's christmas i'm (laughs) opening all the christmas stuff but i also uh did i was like enjoyed the cash register i remember it was so weird I, I was so used to saying my full name for self tapes, like "Hi, I'm Lily Reinhardt. I'm however old, and I'm auditioning for." So the phone rang at Pier One once, and I was like, "This is Lily Reinhardt," and I just thought that was the we- <laughs> like the worst. I love that. I was like, "This person's probably like." who (laughs) like that was such a weird
1: that's brilliant i would think you were really professional and i was like wow this is this is this is my full name how can i help you i want to know who lily right is yeah (laughs) Yeah, very yeah very memorable
0: memorable. i'm i am sure that person remembers it (laughs) quite well yeah
1: (laughs) that would be amazing if that person is watching this or finds this somehow (laughs) please let us know because we would love to
0: yeah i would love love to to
1: love to discover you yeah talk to me about those episodes i mean to start a job and in three hours to have a panic attack to have five hours and have a panic attack i mean that's you know let me know how old you were in both those jobs but like what was the cause of that where was that coming from yeah Uh, how, how did that happen
0: i was 18 so i was living in north carolina at the time we had moved from ohio to north carolina for my dad's job when i was 16. so i was prepping to move to la and obviously needed to have money to do so so was trying to find a job my anxiety at that point really stemmed from oh my god this is so not what i want to be doing but it's the means to make it happen Mm. so the anxiety came from this is absolutely not where i want to be but i know i have to be here because i need money i have Mm -hmm. to make money so the anxiety was like don't have money need it have crippling anxiety and can't hold a job but i need a job so it was very very isolating and i i've you know i have i've been fortunate enough i have really terrible anxiety but i don't suffer from too many panic attacks but i obviously have had them i know how they feel it's the worst thing in the world and having those in those environments was so awful and and i always immediately text my mom I don't know how she does it. She she has been very much the person that I turn to during these moments in my life of, of panic and anxiety. She's always at the other end of the phone or the other end of the Skype or the FaceTime or whatever I need her in. She's there. So I feel very lucky to have such a grounded... I'm like, if I'm having a panic attack, you know Amy is going to know about
1: it. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you sharing this because I think so many people can relate to that anxiety. I I remember when I came out of the monastery, left India, moved back to London, took me about 10 months to get my first job. Mm. Finally got a job. I was working at this, you know, big consulting firm. I was back in the professional corporate world, Mm. which is what I would have done if I hadn't become a monk. And I was working at a client where I didn't really understand what we were doing. Mm. I'd been out of the working world for like four or five years at that point. So Kind of lost a lot of my training in that world right i struggled with small talk mm. I'd, I'd come back from this and i remember feeling so anxious yeah. that i would take the longest lunch breaks like i would disappear from work for like two three hours yeah because i just couldn't have those conversations i didn't know what to do i wasn't very good at my job and i remember going up to our senior manager at the time and saying to him that I know there's a space for me in this company, but I don't think this is the right role or this is the right client because the work we're doing here, I feel really a deep lack of confidence. Yeah. And I'm really just feeling anxious. Yeah. And the way he responded increased my anxiety. I was going to say, I, was he
0: comforting? No, and
1: so I did this. You, you did three to five hours and you knew yourself. I lasted two weeks. And so this yeah. was after two weeks. Mm. He said, Jay, you realize people work really hard to get this job. And then they do as they told. And they don't decide to shift after two weeks. Yeah. And he said, if you shift after two weeks, you'll pretty much be ending your career with us. Like that's what it's gonna be like. And I just still knew that this was just not where I needed to be. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was, they told the client that we were servicing. So my company gave services to a client. They told the client that I wasn't performing well. And so that they were gonna let go of me and they literally walked me out of the office as if I'd just been fired. Wow. And I wasn't fired. I yeah. was just let go of that client. Right, right. But they made me feel like I was fired. So I had to pack my how box up. How shame. Out. It like, was just, so painful. Yeah. How did you communicate? You obviously texted your mom, but how did you communicate? How were you received by your clients the people you worked with the person who was the boss or the owner like how, how did they respond i mean to they didn't thing?
0: know me right. and i didn't know them it yeah. wasn't even like a two-week thing yeah, yeah, it yeah. was genuinely nice to meet you here's this shift oh now she's quitting right so i genuinely don't even know what their impression was i remember the bakery i worked at the man the boss was just very concerned with getting the apron back uh, it was like a very like, OK, well, make sure you return the apron. Wow. I was like, OK, I will make sure the apron gets back to you. <laughs> um, so that was strange. Did and you did
1: you give the apron back?
0: I actually don't know if I ever did. <laughs> um, sorry, but I think I felt more shameful about it towards like my parents and, and my sister, my older sister, because my, my little sister was young and didn't have a job. But I think I just felt like, oh, look how pathetic I am. I can't even, like my anxiety is really that bad. I can't even hold down a job when I know my sister at the time was like a hardworking waitress at, at a restaurant and had been for multiple years. So I just felt pretty pathetic at the time, which is obviously a very shameful feeling.
1: I mean, that's so tough, and especially for it to happen twice. And when you start judging yourself and you start causing pain towards yourself verbally or yeah, yeah. you become internally abusive towards yourself, and yeah. as you said, you start comparing yourself to, to siblings and, and partners or whoever else, family that's in your life, Yeah. how did you get the courage to try again when, when you've got into such a dark space of... And, you, and not it's not just a dark space. It's like you're actually experiencing physical panic attacks. So yeah. it's not just mental. It's physical and mental. It's emotional. Yeah. How are you still getting the courage to go, okay, I'm going to go peer one input. So I'm going to go even into acting, of course.
0: It was my drive to be an actress. It's, it's something that has truly lived so deep inside me. It's the core of who I am um which we'll come back to that (laughs) because but uh but it was truly my undying ambition and drive to be an actress where i knew i needed money i needed money to make this happen and the anxiety was just going to have to I was going to have to find something Mm -hmm. that I could handle tolerate I think was the right the right word Mm -hmm. you know I obviously couldn't be going to work and having panic attacks every day so I just needed to find something that I could tolerate and peer one ended up being a situation where I was working around mostly older women which I think also says something about who I am I didn't I wasn't comfortable working around these young people who I felt because I have social anxiety and at the time it was pretty bad. I was living a very isolated life. So being around these young girls who were also there made me feel even more out of place. And so I found myself more comfortable in a job where I was around middle-aged women (laughs) who like, weren't judging me, weren't necessarily interested in talking to me about my personal life. I just really wanted my job to be my job. I didn't want to make friends. I didn't want to create relationships. I just was there to make money and then bounce basically.
1: That's a great lesson for all of us because I think we often feel that you can get into such a dark place that nothing can get you out. But what you're saying is actually your drive to where you wanted to be and who you wanted to be was able to pull you out of that space to try again it
0: was and i'm very thankful very thankful for that i never really gave myself a plan b i didn't have a backup option i knew i was going to be an actress i didn't know what my career would would look like at all and i still don't know what it's going to look like but it's because it's still, you know, a hustle and you're still always working, always. working. Always. But, uh, but I really knew this is my dream. Mm-hmm. I have to do what I have to do to make this work. And um, I had moved to L.A. when I was 18. Had had such bad anxiety while I was here. Tried to hold down a job in L.A. Was hired. Didn't even work a shift. Had a panic attack wow. and quit.
1: Wow. <laughs> um,
0: and that was the moment I decided. I, I skyped my mom, literally hyperventilating in a paper bag, and said, "I need to come home. I'm not okay." Because I had been there for five months at the—I'd at the, been here for five months at the time and wasn't making any money, and I clearly could not handle the stress and anxiety of holding down a job here. So, moved back home for six months, went back to Pier One. worked as many shifts. I think I I was working two to three shifts a week because my anxiety could not handle more. Saved up very little money. We're talking like $1,700 in the span of six months because I just could not work that much. Mm. But I moved back to LA because there was no other option.
1: That's incredible. Thank you so much for going into detail with me. I know we like really unpacked every job and every role, but it's, but I feel like it's so needed for all of us to hear that because Mm. obviously when people see you doing your thing and you know right now you're like executive producing and you're an author and you know your acting career is booming it's like it's easy to believe that you're just confident and you just you know it's easy and it's effortless and Mm. (laughs) and and even today I've met you you're, you're you're wonderful like you have great presence you have great energy and it's like it's been so easy to connect with you but to hear that that's the journey that it took to get slightly more comfortable with these things uh, is is really useful to everyone who's listening and of course hard when you're living it but tell me about the role you played in your home you have two sisters i do and you spoke to a bit about your mother who i want i want to focus on in a second but what was the role you played in your family like or or what is the role you play in your family has Uh, it changed
0: middle child two sisters my parents are happily married after 30 plus years so very happy to have them as beautiful loving role models in my life i was the kid who was very stereotypical performer kid did the theater did at dancing classes loved recitals loved perform i performed in front of my when we went on big family vacations i would make my cousin sing with me in front of the family I was that kid (laughs) and uh, it was terrible at sports. That kind of like, this kid is meant to be an artist for (laughs) sure. And I began struggling with anxiety at a young age when I was like 11, is when I got really bad, which sounds so young thinking back on it. Like, I really was feeling such complex anxiety and. My parents had no idea where it was coming from. My older sister was bullied very badly and she struggled with her own issues. And so it was sort of like very hard for my parents to understand why I was struggling so badly because there were no real external factors that made sense. Nothing was really adding up like, oh, you have you have friends, you have extracurriculars you don't have any of these any blaring issues it's just why are you so anxious why do you hate school so much why why are you feeling this way and so i felt a lot of isolation at that age from the kids around me to my own family it just felt very misunderstood and that's really when i started going to therapy Mm. for the first time and I really don't remember a lot of the journey because I think you're just so young. You only remember so many things. But also I was in such a a weird tunnel vision stage of your life where you just are in fight or flight mode and you're not really taking in your surroundings or really living. You're just surviving. And so it's it's interesting to think back on those times because I barely remember. All I remember is crying before school every morning, begging my mom to let me be homeschooled because I couldn't stomach the idea of walking through the doors and sitting through an eight-hour day with the people, the kids around me. Everything was a... Countdown. Constantly counting down how many hours left, how many hours until this class is over, when can I go to the bathroom so I can have five minutes to be alone, when can this happen, when can I do this, blah blah blah, always counting down to something. So very much not living my life, it was always rushing through it.
1: If you're a business owner, the last thing you want to do this summer is sought through tons of unqualified candidates' resumes when you could be redoing your deck or relaxing in the pool. That's why you need ZipRecruiter to find great candidates. They do the work for you, and now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com forward slash on purpose. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that make it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So soak up all that Summer has to offer and let ZipRecruiter do the work. Ready for the URL? It's ziprecruiter.com forward slash on purpose. That's where you can try it for free. Again, that's ziprecruiter.com forward slash on purpose o-n-p-u-r-p-o-s-e zip recruiter the smartest way to hire one of the hardest things about mental health i feel is that it's invisible mm. like no one can see it yeah no one understands it mm. and often people feel well you have this so why would you be anxious yeah it doesn't or, add up you have this or then why would you experience depression and it's hard when it's your own family and you know when you're talking about being that young it's probably when the mental health conversation wasn't as open as it is yeah, now not at all where i'm hoping today that at least parents are hearing about it are more open to the fact that they could be providing a beautiful loving atmosphere at home and a child could still be struggling with something and i think that's one of the hardest things for parents is that it's almost like they see it as a reflection of them
0: mm. it's
1: like what am i doing wrong? yeah what's
0: wrong with my kid what did i do what did
1: i do exactly and and that idea of what did i do stops us from thinking about the other and thinking about that person when that's really the moment where a child is saying i'm struggling with something and and the ego inside all of us not just parents the ego in all of us goes but no no, no but that's not my fault like i or i, I don't want i don't know this what can't i not be right this can't be right because i didn't do anything for that and it sounds like your parents are wonderful right like from what i'm hearing yeah and so obviously for them i can imagine it's hard when you start going to therapy at that young age when you start getting exposed to this When do you start to feel like you're gaining tools, clarity, insight that you're like, oh, I can cope with this? Because it sounds like from what we were talking about, it's not something that ever goes away. It's not something that ever just disappears, but you start coping better. You start managing it better. Is that accurate? Yeah,
0: no, for, for sure. I think the therapy was a really beautiful, for one hour a week, I was talking to someone who just got it she was an older woman i instantly really loved her and connected with her i still felt like it wasn't okay for me to be feeling what i was feeling like it wasn't justified and maybe i would be looked at as crazy so i remember even in my therapy sessions would be like, oh God, my allergies are so bad as I had tears streaming down my face. I'm like, girl, you're in a therapy (laughs) office. You're allowed to cry. (laughs) And it's interesting, like the messaging from when I was a kid to, to what it is now is so radically different compared to even, you know, 20 years ago, how insane, but even just from when I was a kid being, I feel like you heard the thing, you heard the term, don't cry. You don't need to cry crying is the most beautiful thing you can do i encourage people to cry i cry all the time and i think it's the most healthy expression of how you're feeling and i i sometimes wish i just could have been told you can cry there's no shame in that there's no shame in how you're feeling and also you don't need to always be justifying it because I think I was constantly trying to come up with reasons why rather than just being accepted for what it was. I have anxiety. I have depression. Okay, but why? Well, sometimes there isn't. <laughs> and, and and navigating that space when I was so young and trying to defend myself, having my first panic attacks and not knowing, what this feeling was, how I could escape it, what resources I had. I, you know, I was too young to really be going on the internet looking for help elsewhere. I just really had like my parents and I guess the kids around me at school who had no idea what to tell me or how to help. You know, my friends at the time, it's not like they got it, they just didn't. So I was so isolated and I'm, I'm happy that now this is a space we're moving into where we are saying feel your feelings and that they're they're justified you don't need to defend yourself i'm like damn that's the kind of environment i want to raise my future <laughs> kids in to where it's it is a beautiful thing to cry and you're allowed to feel you're just allowed to feel
1: if everyone would just listen to that over and, over and over and over and over and over again, every day, like our lives would be so much better because telling someone not to cry is like telling someone the not to laugh. The worst advice. Right? It's like, the
0: worst advice.
1: It's it's such bad advice. And because yeah, like t- telling someone not to cry is like telling someone not to laugh. Not it's to like feel. It's like there's a natural expression that needs to be released yep. in order to feel an emotion. Yep. And you're being told to block it and not feel it you would never do that with any other emotion but when it comes to crying and especially as a man too you know that's yeah. a big part of how boys are. Boys raised don't cry and boys don't cry right and boys never cry and you know you'll be fine you're okay there's nothing wrong and so it's like oh if i cry that means there's something wrong and that association of crying is bad is actually the biggest issue. Because, so toxic. Yeah, it's so toxic that crying becomes a negative emotion. Yeah. So now when I cry, I feel sad, even if crying was going to actually make me feel better. Which it
0: does. Which usually. it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and we cry when there's happy tears yeah, too. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a release. Yes. And there are so many things that need to be released from the body, the mind, the the heart, mm-hmm. and everything you just said. I I wish everyone would just listen to that part again and again and again <laughs> and play it to their children mm. and play it to their family members because if if that's all you take up from this conversation it will change your life and I know there's so many more but but that was t- truly truly powerful oh sorry go on no were, no I yeah. mean
0: I just to kind of go deeper yeah, into that please. I feel the last two years have been a very large mm. spiritual awakening for me uh really became awakened to the spiritual side of life and really what wellness means and i thought i knew who i was before and was confident but really i was so much of my identity was based off of pleasing other people and putting my identity in other people's hands and the concept i read a lot of self-help books uh you know did a deep discovery on all those things and and the biggest takeaway i was gathering was how vital it is to sit with your feelings and experience them which again just goes along you know the concept of don't cry not you're you're pushing it away rather than doing the opposite which is how you heal i was on a very big healing journey two years ago which is how this all really started. And the biggest thing I kept reading was feel like, feel your feelings, sit there and let the feeling be in your body. Like let it flow through you, observe it, don't judge it, let it happen as it needs to, to happen. Let it flow through you. And so that's what I, that's what I did. And that's what I, my perspective has changed quite dramatically over even the last couple months. And I sort of look at things this way as someone who very much struggles with anxiety and depression when I feel very overwhelmed by those things and sort of like I'm being burdened by these things. I like to think of it as if I started out as this celestial being, this just energy And the universe or God or whomever said, hey, do you want to go to Earth for an incredibly short amount of time, like a blip, and experience every emotion that you could possibly feel as a human? You get to have all these experiences, love, heartache, anxiety, joy, euphoria, whatever, all of it. Do you want to do that? Yeah, I do. And so, when I am feeling these intense feelings, it's sort of like a reality check to step outside and say, although this is a very uncomfortable, painful feeling, it's quite beautiful that I have the capacity to experience it. Just in general, like I am so lucky. To feel to the extent that I feel and to feel as deeply as I feel because it can often feel like a curse when you're having heartache and you know when you're experiencing love it's absolutely euphoric and then when it's the opposite it's a curse Mm. and so understanding that both of those exist in the same timeline and in the same life and That is sort of something that I use to ground myself when I am stuck in a feeling of darkness.
1: That is probably the best description of that I've heard before. The idea of if we were given the choice to have this diverse set of emotions, experiences, feelings. And what you rightly said was that if you're experiencing loss, Mm -hmm. it means you've experienced love. Yeah. And if you've experienced pain, it means you've experienced joy. Yeah. It actually means that you've had the fortune of receiving a glimpse of greatness. Yeah. And I lost my mentor to stage four brain cancer. Mm. And I lost him a few years before that because of how brain cancer works in the sense that he wasn't mentally there, mentally there, even though he was spiritually there. Yeah. And what I always referred to him as, which I found fascinating was, so when someone has stage for brain cancer, obviously they start to lose aspects of their memory, they start to lose aspects of identity, and his memory became so short. He had long-term memory, he lost his short-term memory. Mm. So if he'd see me, he'd be like, hey Jay, how's it going? And then 30 seconds later, he would be like, hey Jay, how's it going, as if he'd just seen me. So he'd still know I'm Jay, and he'd still remember our relationship for many, many years but in the moment he you couldn't have attention but what i found fascinating was that all he did was thank people for their service to god oh wow so all he'd do if he saw you and he was a he was a community leader he was he was a priest in his own right and if he saw you'd be like thank you for what you're doing for others thank you for your service wow and i was like how special was that 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 was his broken loop was gratitude.
0: That's the most wholesome thing I've ever heard.
1: Literally. And, and and to experience that was just unbelievable. And it's what you're saying that, yes, I miss him. And yes, of course, I wish he was there. I feel like calling him up every day to tell him what I'm doing and, and different things that happened in my life. But the fact that I can experience that I miss someone yeah. means that I just had something really special. Yeah. I'm not saying that makes it easy. I'm saying that it reaffirms the point that you're making that We're fortunate to have both experiences because they only come together.
0: Yeah, and I do think no one really talks about how people leave your life. You know what death is, you know people are going to die, but you don't really, until I think you're in your 20s, honestly, experience how often people come and go just in general. And it's loss, it is grief. It's not death, but it's but it's loss and how profound of a, f- a feeling that is. And I almost wish, and I don't know what this looks like or what the teachings look like or what the advice is, but just that there could be more of a conversation of when you are growing up, like people are gonna come and go and let's find ways to accept that because I think the last two years I've had what feels like a revolving door of people in my life new people that i've tried to make connections with and then they leave or people that i've been maybe not make a connection with so there never really is one and then the the relationship kind of just ends but but you know there have been obviously meaningful relationships that come in and then they end and so it's weird because you are going on this journey of loss and grief but it's not death and the person still exists and they have their their own conscious mind that you're sort of trying to figure out well how are they experiencing this because in in death the person's just gone Mm -hmm. and you can think whatever thoughts you have and they're yours and no one can take those away from you whereas when someone leaves your life and they're still around it's like oh there's two sides to this story and what is this person's experience and i just think that's like a very interesting concept is how do you deal with the loss of someone who's still around still
1: around yeah especially when we've been trained in society to believe that length of time equals success
0: Yeah, or that's the measure of love. Correct. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that the measure of love, the measure of success is importance, longevity, length. We know plenty of people that have been in a job for 25 years that they hate. Yeah. Or have been in a relationship for 15 years that they don't love. Right. And you constantly find that. But also, what you're saying, I think more deeply, the idea that we actually deal with coming and going and the seasons of relationships far more. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we know that when it's winter, you put on a coat and we know when it's summer, you get to put your shorts on. And when it's spring, you may carry, if you're in London especially, you carry an umbrella. And if it's fall, you get to wear fall colors. Like, you know, it's like with the seasons of nature, we know how to adapt our clothing our preparation but, but not
0: then, with the seasons of life absolutely it just
1: doesn't <laughs> happen like you don't you don't ever talk about the winter of life
0: no is
1: what you're saying if you right. talk about loss or death or grief as the winter of life
0: yeah
1: uh, you don't ever talk about it and then you're unprepared yeah it's almost i feel like-
0: very ill equipped genuinely and and as i've been in my the last 2 years dealing with so much of it I'm like there's got to be some solutions out here. There's <laughs> got to be people who are talking about it because I know I'm, you know, not the only woman in their 20s who's going through cycles uh-huh. of relationships and 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 meeting new people and then having those people uh leave or me choosing to leave. So it's like a Come on, guys, let's rally and, and brainstorm and be there for each other because I don't want to turn to Google and read stupid articles that tell me that when someone leaves your life, you should go on a hike. <laughs> <sighs> because if someone tells me to go on a hike one more time, I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> this is what people say. They say, when someone leaves your life, when, when, something, when you're going through something, tr- pick up a new hobby. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'll do that. And that'll take up three seconds of my time and probably like $400 to buy all this equipment for this new hobby, whatever it is. Maybe I'll try crocheting. And you know, <laughs> all of a sudden I'm spending $300 and all these things. And it lasts two seconds. It's like, there's, eh, there's gotta be, what else can I be doing? Yeah. yeah. So what I'm personally been dealing with is the struggle of what is my identity outside mm. of Everything else. Mm. What is my identity outside of everyone else? So just me and outside of work because I'm a workaholic. And I, since I was a kid, as a survival, as a coping mechanism, had to basically make acting my identity to push me out of the situations that I was in and launch me into my career. So I feel that I have been in fight or flight mode for most of my life. And what that has done to my <laughs> brain and my body, my mental well-being, is if I continue at this rate, catastrophic. I, You know, I will lose my brain power. There's no way humans are not meant to be continue living in that state of your adrenaline is always going, you know, just that fight or flight response. And I'm basically on this journey right now in my life of trying to calm that down. Mm -hmm. And trying to just simply exist Mm -hmm. and sit in stillness without feeling like I need to fill a void. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest, that has been like waking up with anxiety. I'm not working this summer. I'm not filming anything. I'm promoting my movie. Very thankful for that. Um, you know, I have my own production company. So I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of, I do a lot of Zooms. I do all the things, but there are days where I have nothing to do. That's amazing. Well, that's the challenge yeah, yeah, yeah. is is where I'm thinking, what do I do? with myself because I have been programmed to constantly go.
1: Pick up a new hobby, go on a hike. Yeah, yeah. let me do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Besides that, I'm like, how do I find serenity and acceptance and peace without running away from myself? Because even – and I'm stopping myself in these tracks because the past – Week I've had such bad anxiety about not working and, and being bored. The, the fear of being bored has been haunting me. And I've been thinking, what trips can I go on? Okay, I'm going to reach out to like literally everyone I know. When are they available? I'm filling my, I'm looking at the calendar on my phone going, I, I, I'm alone that day, need to fill that up. Like genuinely, how can I fill my time? So I'm not alone because loneliness equals my existential crisis thoughts, and I'm going to spiral. Yeah. So I am very much on that journey of, because I know I don't want that. I do not want that. I do not want to be someone who has to fill that void. I pride myself on being someone who will never, just succumb to that and be the person who always has to have friends around or always needs to be doing something. I don't want that. That's mm. not the identity that I want. I want to be able to be okay by myself. And that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, how do you do that?
1: But even hearing you verbalize and vocalize it is so powerful, right? Like even to have that as an aspiration is an unbelievable power because it's a recognition of your true feelings. Going back to what we were speaking about before, you're actually responding to and listening to how your body, mind and heart feel. Mm -hmm. And so you're already making so much progress because... If you weren't listening, then you would be going against the advice that we should be allowed to cry and we should be allowed to do this. And so you're saying, well, I just need to take the next three months or or however long it Mm -hmm. is off because that's what I'm feeling I need. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't know yet what that looks like, you're still deeply responding to that need. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a real power in that because identifying it is one thing, then implementing it, which you are, is another thing. Yeah. And then, as you said, building your identity as this new identity is almost like step three. I want to dive into that and, and how we do that with you and how you have found ways of doing it, because I'm guessing that you've had glimpses in these last two years where you have felt at peace with yourself mm. or you have had moments where you recognize the value of solitude over loneliness. Or yeah. there are moments where you're starting to realize, you said it in your own words. I don't want to live based on the opinions of others or for others. So there are glimpses of what this looks like mm. and you're piecing together the puzzle. But you were saying that, you know, you're going through this transition in your life right now and Our identity gets wrapped up in other people, our jobs, our work, everything around of us. And so when you're saying you're trying to understand your identity beyond this, Mm -hmm. as Lily ran out today, Mm. who are you beyond those things right now?
0: It's a process for me of I'm trying to take it day by day because I overwhelm myself by trying to fix it all right away. I'm a very all or nothing person Mm -hmm. and I'm a very compulsive person like once i find out what's wrong oh gotta have a solution immediately can't i don't want to wait for time yeah i don't want to that's the worst when people say just give it time no i don't want to do that (laughs) i would like to do it right now
1: yeah
0: to be honest uh, i was just in maui recently and one of the most beautiful moments i had there was when i was in a very spiritual uh it was like a spiritual shop they had crystals they had but they had a labyrinth like a a maze on the ground that that you could walk in and just sort of it was this it took you like good 15 minutes to walk through all the little pathways and then you get you get to the center and you can meditate or and then you can and then you walk out and it's it's a it's there was like a whole book about about the ideology behind this labyrinth and mm-hmm. and I didn't I didn't read it but I but I took it as an opportunity to use it as just like a just meditating a moment of meditation and I felt so close to myself mm-hmm. when I was doing that like it was so true to who I was in that moment to just be doing this activity mm-hmm. it was so comforting it's hard just like anything you can lose yourself in something you know you can lose yourself in becoming overly like awakened and your whole identity becomes i'm a spiritual guru Mm -hmm. and i'm healing like all about heal. like it's so easy to just fall into that Mm -hmm. trap and i'm obviously trying not to do that as well and i'm definitely not but i my friends would would never (laughs) would never let me do that but but I do find so much therapy through even just talking about it, even if I don't have the answers. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the answers to who really am I outside of mm-hmm. my fight or flight mode and who, who am I outside of being an actor. I don't mm-hmm. really have the answers to those questions, but just even saying that out loud yeah. makes me feel like I'm closer to figuring yeah. it
1: out. And I really appreciate that, honestly, because I agree too. Like, I'm, I'm hearing you speak, and, and it feels the same way to me, where I'm like, okay, you're not forcing yourself, at least in this moment, to arrive at an answer or to give an answer to complete the sentence. But at the same time, I'm, I'm seeing a self-awareness. I'm seeing a acceptance of that path, and that's what's so useful. And you are right that if you've never allowed yourself to be yourself, how would you know how to describe it? So if I asked you to describe yourself as an actress, you'd be able to describe yourself. It would be pretty easy because you've been an actress plenty of times or you could describe those roles that you've played. But then when someone asks you who are you to pretty much 99.9% of people on the planet, we can't answer it because we've never actually let ourselves be ourselves. So it's not alien to not know.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we we know who we are in relation to other people. Yeah. Into things. Our role. To our role. Yeah. hundred percent. But then when you take like take the roles away, what are you? Yeah. Like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa. I do not know. (laughs) I do not know But that is the beginning
1: of figuring it out. Like that's yeah, that's the because you now can go, Okay, am I playing Lily the actress Mm. or am I playing Lily the daughter, friend, whatever? Or am I trying to discover what Lily would do? Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's, and it is that conversation of, it's kind of like when my sister, when I'm giving her relationship advice and she'll be like, stop being Jay Shetty, like, you know, uh, like yeah. be my brother. Right. And it's like, yeah. that's what my sister would say to me because she doesn't want a coaching conversation with her brother. She wants me to be her brother. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like, okay. So she gets the brother version. And then there's this version that, this community gets. But then it's yeah. like, but then who am I beyond all of those things? And yeah. I really realized that when I left the monkhood, because even so much of my identity be- had become wrapped in being a monk. Yep. And the whole point of being a monk was to not have an identity that you're wrapped up in.
0: Yeah.
1: That was the whole goal. Everything you're talking about is exactly what we were working on for, when I was there for three years. Yeah. But even then, it was so easy to get wrapped up in another identity and so when that identity collapsed after three years when i when it all fell apart for me that was when i allowed myself to learn about who i was beyond that identity and even now i have to hold on to that how'd you do it (laughs) i'd say that the first of it was a a sense of and this sounds painful but and it is there is a sense of role destruction yeah like panic panic and feeling something and a part of you that you use for safety to dissolve yeah and that's the hardest part it's hard to let go of the false identity because it's a sense of safety that being a monk is a sense of safety being an actor is a sense of safety being whatever is a sense of safety and unless you're willing to go i'm letting that safety go To some degree, it's very hard to say, okay, well, I'm open to what this is. So that was the first part. It was like letting go of that identity externally, in my language, in my intellectual thoughts about who I was, in how I thought people perceived me. And then the next step was saying, rather than who am I was, who do I want to be? So what I realized was, We're trying to figure out who we are rather than create who we are. And we do this as humans, we go into finding and seeking rather than creating and being. And finding and seeking is the never ending journey because there's nothing to look for. There is only things to be and create. And so I realized that everything I was currently being and creating was based on values I'd adopted from family, friends, or society. So I literally made a list of what are my current values, I then asked myself, where do they come from? Mm. And so it was like my parents, some kid in school who bullied me, my teacher who told me I wasn't this or that, a friend who thought I was cool or uncool based on whatever. And then I asked myself, do I still have that value? Do I still want to live that value? Mm -hmm. And so I shifted to creating a new list of values and principles that I wanted to live by and I just started practicing them yeah. with everyone I met mm. and that's how I started to create and be my new identity mm. rather than subscribing to an old one if that makes sense it's it a very per- quick version no of the it answer. makes
0: perfect sense because I recently have been having those thoughts to myself as like who have I really if I were to explain myself describe myself in a couple words there are characteristics that I use that I don't actually like. I don't like being a negative person, but I think I would describe myself, I, or I used to describe myself as a negative person, as a pessimist, as a full realist, not entirely hopeful kind of person, and recently was thinking, well, I don't like that. I don't, I don't actually, if I had the choice, I would choose to not be that person. I would not, I don't want to be a negative person. I don't want to be a pessimist, but it's safety. Yes. It's not getting my hopes up. It's protecting my heart. It's shelter. And how do you part ways with something that you have identified with for so long? And that's obviously a challenge in itself, but it's something that I'm very much, trying to do even with my food choices like someone who has enjoyed really food that's really terrible for you your whole life and now making the conscious effort to change that and and fuel my body and treat my body in a better healthier way it's it's all just making these conscious decisions of oh do i i'm just fully in autopilot right now just choosing the same thing because that's what i've always done oh i'm just being pessimistic because that's what i've always done and it takes pausing and reflecting and making an active effort to shift that behavior and that's yeah. so hard it's
1: so hard we're simply living patterns yeah right that's that's literally as simple as it is it's like we've adopted a pattern mm mm-hmm. And now we have to choose to practice a new pattern mm-hmm. based on who we want to be. And that's why I think the journey of who am I is really who do I want to be? Who do I want to create? Who do, who do I want to live as? Because we've never known who we are. So trying to figure out who we are is, is a fool's errand because you just keep getting stuck. And then like you just said now, you accept, oh, I'm a negative person because that's who I've always been. Not realizing it's just a pattern you developed, It's just a habit you adopted. It's just what you absorb through your environment as opposed to selected it.
0: That's truly, I mean, it's such a profound thing that's just like settling into my brain now is is even the last couple of days been thinking, I need to find out who I am. Like find, I need to find it. I need to search for it Mm -hmm. rather than, I will never get anywhere if I do that. It's a matter of who do I want to be and then, actively doing
1: that yeah and selecting those values selecting those principles selecting the habits like you just gave for your food Mm -hmm. it's like if you just said who am i you'd i'd be like yeah i'm someone who loves chocolate like Mm -hmm. i'm someone who loves ice cream i'm someone who loves junk food fast food but that's not who i am that's just a pattern i built and i can change that pattern yes it's hard i'm i and i'm i'm with you on that like it's been when i met my wife she's the one who transformed my diet because i was always someone who is focused on mastering the mind mm. and i kind of neglected the body and kind of didn't care and my wife is a nutritionist and dietitian and Ayurvedic chef. And so her whole world is food. Quite convenient. Very convenient, <laughs> hugely convenient. If you want to change your life. Oh, wow. Marry, yeah. And, and it was like, she got me off refined sugar. She got me off the wrong oil. She got me off like packaged and processed foods yep. on a daily basis. And it was so much education yeah. and so much coaching that I received from her that allowed me to make transitions where I, the first thing I said to her was like, I don't know how I would live without sugar. Yeah. Like I don't know. Yeah. And it sounds ridiculous now, but it's like, yeah, when, I, when we got married six years ago and I was like, yeah, I don't know what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. And then we started looking for alternatives. And, and now if you ask me, I pretty much would eat, sh- like, I guess refined sugar maybe like once a month. Cool. And and so that's you, amazing. And that's amazing for me. Like that's yeah. a big thing for me. Wow! Because I didn't know. I grew up eating four chocolate products a day. My mom gave me a chocolate biscuit, a chocolate bar, a chocolate yogurt, and a chocolate ice cream every day. Right. And I was addicted to sugar. Yep. And so it's pattern formation, though. And yes, you're so right. It requires discipline. It's painful. It's it's hard. But I love that that's dropped for you. Like, and I love that you took us there today because. I think too many people are finding and looking and seeking and searching and it's being and creating and building and forming, yeah. uh, which is where our energy needs to go because you've seen yourself build a career. Mm. You've seen yourself create your your roles. You've seen yourself create a book. You've seen yourself create a show. Like you created those things. You didn't find them. Very true. You, you didn't search for them. You didn't seek them. Yeah. So you yes. know you have creative energy and creative power.
0: Yeah. Like, damn, got to create myself now. Yeah. How, ex- <laughs> how exciting. It is
1: very exciting. And yeah. then there's a sense of selection and control and not control in a control freak way, no, but in a but sense I, of like- you I can, can choose. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: I can make the choice. And and my first step was definitely the epiphany of, oh wait, I actually don't want to keep identifying with this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Were you always, you use the word spiritual- Was that a word in your vocabulary always? Did it arise two years ago? Like, how did that become a path to a lot of this healing and journey that you've been on as opposed to something else? Like, I think there's so many options. Yeah, yeah. Why this? Why? How?
0: I mean, I grew up Christian. Uh, It was, I went to a Presbyterian church, which I definitely do not uh align with those teachings anymore but I do believe in God I, I I do call myself a Christian but I also call myself very spiritual and I think two years ago the the lockdown was was forcing me to go through this this healing journey by myself and my journey through healing was through spiritual healing and through working with actual healers and and energy and i studied and i started to study reiki and i'm gonna get my master my master's i mean i'm gonna going to be a reiki master yes at the end of the summer I'm that's taking amazing my, thank you so it, it became a i'm going to look inward is sort of what what, what it was. And, and I found that that became, oh, that's clearly a very spiritual route. You're looking in towards your spirit, towards your soul. You're doing shadow work, soul searching. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay. Spirituality is the word that I'm resonating with. Yeah. And I, I actually went to mount shasta which which is a very high vibrational highly spiritual place in northern california and i went there by myself and i worked with a she calls herself a sound healer uh and i and i worked with her and found the experience i just again felt i felt very much like i was so at home with myself while i was doing those things Mm -hmm. so connected to myself connected to my higher self, the person that I want to be. And so I thought, yes, this is the right path for me. And so kind of ever since then, I've been very into spirituality. And, you know, I've always loved crystals. Everyone loves crystals. (laughs) But like looking past that into a deeper form of energy healing. And that led me to Reiki, which led me to... Sound healing and going to sound baths and Mm. and then meditation and and I took a course and I learned TM transcendental Mm -hmm. meditation Mm -hmm. which wasn't really the it didn't super resonate with me it hasn't stuck with me but it is something that I tried so it's been a trial you know trial of just different things and uh, I guess that's just what I call when I say I'm spiritual I'm I'm on that very. Uh, personal journey with myself, looking inward. Yeah, sort yeah. of what I mean by that.
1: Yeah, but I but I love those examples because it is a practicing of different methods and techniques yeah. to find what works for you. And yeah. you've obviously found, you know, both in Reiki and sound healing, what what really suits your soul and your yeah. your your healing, which I think is such an important part of it. I think spirituality or healing or any of these terms can often get they're so big yeah and they can get a good or bad name based on a particular practice and the idea is that it's just such a big umbrella term for so many practices that it's so important that people keep an open mind to finding what works for them and you're right there may be a certain aspect that just doesn't you know float your boat and doesn't make you feel great but there's other parts that could reveal it to you you know very powerfully i think When I lived as a monk, we traveled a lot in southern India where a lot of temples are around two to 5,000 years old. And I never had been anywhere that old. Like my school was 500 years old that I went to in England. And so that was pretty old. Yeah. But then when you go to. Mine was like 80 years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) My my school is literally 1573, I think was the year it was founded. Oh my gosh. By the Queen uh, in England. And so, yeah. And so our school was pretty old and had this big history. But. When I when I went to these temples that were like 5,000 years old, and you see this incredible architecture, it's you know it's maintained. I never realized that I found going on pilgrimage to be so deeply healing for me, yeah. because I would go into these chambers where sound, similarly, has been maintained and preserved for thousands of years. People have meditated, chanted, played balls, uh gongs, whatever maybe in these spaces, and you can still feel the reverberation when you walk in. Oh, that sounds so amazing. And it's and it's really powerful. Like it really feels like, you know, and so again, that was something that I never would have known growing up in London and, you know, having to go to that experience. And those temples are mainly in southern India. Mm sounds like I need to go to Southern India. Yeah, where you see that like real ancient history of of, uh, spirituality in in Southern India. And so those kind of places for me were like things that I never thought I'd discover. And and then there's parts that I'm like, yeah, I would never go and do X, Y, Z. So how did you find these things or were there friends, were there recommendations? Was it the internet? Like how were you discovering certain things for you? Because I feel like that's quite difficult for people to yeah i
0: mean it's easy in la yes, yeah, because you're LA, yeah. surrounded by people who are you're there's a crystal shop on every corner <laughs> genuinely and, and there's a tarot card reader truly yeah. and i think i was always like oh tarot's interesting that happened you know a couple of years ago about my first tarot deck and reiki actually my a makeup artist on riverdale who worked on the first and second season she was a reiki master and she was telling me about it and one day performed Reiki on me. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And so I was always super interested in diving into that. And then the lockdown just kind of gave me a a, a, a boost to explore that because I was like, damn, I could use some healing. Maybe I should heal myself. (laughs) And then it also just came from, I think, the word wellness. Like, Mm -hmm. what is wellness? And I googled wellness retreats in California. And uh, I was like, okay, maybe not a retreat. I don't really want to be doing yoga and eating vegetables for a week, like not necessarily my vibe. I wanted to be a little bit more personalized and grounding for just me. And I found my sound healer in Mount Shasta. And so I went and saw her by myself and really kind of had a firsthand experience of sound healing and past life readings and cord cutting ceremonies and not astral projection but just sort of your astral bodies and and things like that it was like this world that was suddenly opening up to me that was so i've always just found this kind of the the afterlife i guess very Mm. fascinating Mm. i've always been terrified and intrigued at the idea of ghosts mm. and like what what are what, what's that <laughs> like what is talking to a spirit you know it's so yeah. weird and i've always felt like i've been very highly intuitive kind of in tuned person oh i see symbols and i see things are very serendipitous and there's not there's all these coincidences that are happening and and so i uh also was looking into and to be honest, TikTok was <laughs>
1: <laughs> after all of that. That was after not what I was expecting. Like I was not expecting. <laughs> but TikTok, there is like, such yeah. a
0: spiritual side of TikTok that is so vast. Can you put me
1: onto that side? Yes. No? <laughs> I mean it's
0: the algorithm. You start seeing one video and then you're seeing a million of them. And and I was stumbling on these pages of just like highly intuitive people and i reached out to one of them and said do you offer mentorships or yeah. something and and she said yeah and so i did a mentorship with a psychic for three months where she taught me how to heal my ancestral trauma and i believe we all have psychic abilities it's a matter of training your brain some mm-hmm. people are just born being more in tune and tapped into that skill but i do believe that we all have the ability to tap into them so i was really just trying to learn how to do that because i thought that was so fascinating she did teach me how to talk to the deceased (laughs) Uh, not that i can do it well i will say i've only i feel that i've only successfully done it like twice or three times and even then while you're doing it you're sort of like Am I doing this? Like
1: <laughs> most people when they would hear these things, there's judgment about oh yeah. that's just wacky or sure. that's whatever. Like and but what I'm seeing in you, which I'm appreciating is just, hey, I'm I'm trying to be me. Like I I'm right now I'm exploring this. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm experimenting with this. Yeah. I'm learning this. Yeah. Maybe it's something that I believe is true, maybe it isn't, but I'm at least doing what I wanna do now. Yeah. Without worrying about what everyone else thinks and believes. Yeah. I mean when I chose to become a monk it 21 going on 22 99 percent of my friends thought I was absolutely insane because they're like why would you do that like why would you not want to go make money and date more women and get into another relationship and get a home or whatever it was and so I know what it feels like to make a decision that most people around me feel doesn't make any sense and is completely against the grain of but it was the best decision I ever made in my life yeah And I have zero regrets about that decision or how I spent that three years. And I look back at it all the time. And But at the time, everyone around me thought I was making the worst decision. My family said I was committing career suicide. You know, my friends were completely confused. My society and people in our community were like, oh, you're letting your parents down and you'll never get a job again. You know, there's just so much judgment. Yeah, But I was just trying to do what felt right in my intuition at this time and it wasn't harming anyone and i think that's the you know that to me is like the the barrier where it's like well you're trying something it's not harming anyone it's not harming you it's not harming anyone around you and if if that's allowing you to explore a part of yourself you just never know where it could go so it's very comforting for people to hear about being into unique things because we all it's almost like we all followed the same people we all mm. watch the same things yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that but it's nice to have a few things a break that are unique from the norm impre- exactly a break from the norm i want to talk to you about a bit about you know this this new show and we were talking about this idea of you get to play these two parallel lives which kind of with everything you're talking about yeah is fascinating yeah, yeah, connected yeah. and I love that idea of parallel universes, of multiple lives, of the multiverse right now is a big such a big thing. Big thing and a big talking point. Yeah. When you're playing these roles, how much of these roles are you identifying with, especially I guess, like moving to LA for a career that's yeah. very much in line with you? Yeah. Uh, and then obviously becoming a pregnant mother. Have an like, experience. Yeah, that when yeah, you have an but... experience. Like when you're doing that how much of what you've just talked about that you're interested in mm. kind of feeds into those roles and when you're playing those roles and becoming these new identities
0: well for the i mean for the film it, people are people ask like was it so hard to play two two different characters no it's the same woman so it's the same girl just experiencing two very different things and so that was amazing to play this this woman and and I know who she was and I created her as a character. I knew what she valued, what she wanted, and I was you know we're fortunate enough as an audience to see both things play out. It is weird because I I'm very into I do have those existential like if I did make this decision, what would have happened? Yeah, sliding and, goes, yeah. and how you know how how would things have panned out? And the reason why I, I loved the script so much when I read it was she's okay in both lives she ends up being okay wow and there is no one path that you go oh that was the right path (laughs) or that was the wrong path it's truly just two different paths and i think especially in your 20s things happen every day relationships end things you know people you can get pregnant and you think oh my whole life is just gone or or my whole world is shifting and i don't think that's always a i don't think that's a has to be a bad thing yeah i think there are millions of ways your life can turn out mm-hmm. it's based off decisions you make every single day but in the end things are okay. Yeah. Things end up okay. I think if you stop and put too much thought into every decision you make, you're going to live a very treacherous life of yeah. feeling like you're walking on eggshells. I think it's it's a, a matter of saying, I mean, I personally th- like to look at it as the universe has my back. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think this film also resonates with how I feel in that regard of this woman had two she had a positive pregnancy test and a negative one. And you see two possible scenarios out of a million uh, of what her life could have been. Mm -hmm. And, and you see the journey she goes on through both and how she still has the same ambition and she Mm -hmm. doesn't lose herself in, in, in in having a child, she still stays who she is and she doesn't lose her ambition. And when she goes to LA and goes through the hardships of trying to make her career work, she doesn't give up, you know? It's sort of a perseverance story and and how you don't have to lose yourself in the things that happen to you. You can still stay you.
1: Yeah. The thing that resonates most with me with that message and the whole conversation we've had today is this idea that even in one life, You can be so many things. Yeah. And I think we always are trying to make this choice, as you're saying, like, it's like, well, do I do this and how will that impact me or do I do this? And it's like, you could probably do both. Yeah. I mean, we've probably, you've lived so many different lives. And I know most people. So have you. Yeah. So have (laughs) I. And most people I know have lived loads of different lives. And I think we feel forced to live one life and one truth. Mm. And I don't think that's true for anyone in reality. And when you force yourself to live one life and one truth you actually limit what you started with was with all these experiences and all these experiments and an openness to all these feelings so you know i i like that idea of the two lives into ultimately that both work out okay yeah and recognizing in one life you can live three lives or seven and Mm -hmm. Things can be okay. Yeah. With that in mind, I wanna shift towards you've made so many changes in your diet, your health, you've experienced chronic fatigue, yeah. You know, and we haven't talked about that. So let's let's dive into that actually deeply. I've been through chronic fatigue, it, it lasted a long time, it, it led to deeper gut issues. Uh-huh. It, it it's led to so many lifestyle changes it was stuff that also just snuck up on me without me even being aware Mm. because i was living so much in the mind and my heart that i wasn't even aware of what my body was going through and so i was you know grounding back into my body how does it feel to live your career and experience chronic fatigue you know actor days are sometimes 18 hour days if not more early mornings late nights i think people don't realize the lifestyle of making a movie or making a show where you're in a trailer all day it's not the most comfortable inspiring atmosphere as people think the career may be uh how does that work with chronic fatigue and diet and eating
0: yeah i mean i say to myself i'm like damn i'm in the wrong career (laughs) not i don't actually believe that but you know when i when i I'm someone who very much needs at least eight hours to function. Yeah, so sometimes when it's a four-hour turnaround or I have to get up and go on a plane quickly, I'm like, oh, God, this is a challenge for me. But because it's something that I love to do so much, I truly just run off of the pure joy I find in what I do. And it's not so, – like, you know, I – i take naps when i can but i also am very much under like now at this point in my life really taking my gut health seriously trying i've treated my body like a junkyard for a very long time with what i've been eating and it's it's got to a point where earlier this year i knew i needed to make real changes because i was so unhappy with how i looked be one, but also I felt that I was doing a great disservice to my body. I spend so much time trying to better my mental health, and I don't put any of that into my physical body. And there's all this new research on how depression is directly related to your gut and, mm-hmm. and all these things, and I'm like, okay, we're going to take this seriously. Yeah and it is a truly reprogramming of bad patterns and habits that i've grown up just immediately going to the fast food to processed foods yeah. and and it's truly been about educating myself on the better options and reading ingredients and mm. choosing the less convenient alternative and I actually think that the chronic fatigue has slowly started to Amazing. improve so because happy to because that. of it so happy to hear i mean that. me too it's been i've been dealing with this basically since i was diagnosed with depression when i was 14 yeah so it's it's just now and it, it's always i don't know if it'll f- fully cure itself with my with my diet we're getting there we're trying but it is a it's an everyday it thing, is. small steps, not trying to completely change everything all at once. And I think obviously in these hard times, food is a great comfort and yeah. it offers a lot of to me, at least it's, it can be very comforting. So I do turn to food sometimes to, to fill that sort of emotional need. But again, recognizing that not judging myself for it, just trying to make healthier decisions overall is what I'm very much trying to do. Me too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can relate to everything you just said. So. It's a daily yeah, practice. It's a daily, it's a daily practice. It is. How would you describe your current purpose in life? Like, you know, as in where you're at right now or even today? My or, current purpose And and, and the reason why I asked that is because I believe that you know, when you're healing, when you're growing, when you're going through all these journeys, like there's somewhat of an intention, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. What is your intention then, if that's easier?
0: My intention, and I've actually had this intention for a very long time, and I, I, I don't really believe that, you know, you make a birthday wish. If you, you don't tell, don't tell someone your wish, you know, <laughs> like I, ever since I can remember every time I've seen a shooting star, blown out birthday candles, my wish always has been i want to be happy mm. and i my intention is to find true happiness and and peace with myself mm. and that is my purpose yeah right now to to find that and that's a big task but um but it is but that's the that's the intention and and to I find it so, the spiritual journey has has been so encouraging to me because once you start, you never stop. Mm -hmm. It's it's not something that one day you're going to go, I'm healed, I'm good, I'm done. done, It's truly, for the rest of my life, I will be seeking out growth. And that is so... I'm so happy about that. So liberating. It is. I'm yeah. like, I will always, there's always more things to learn. There's always something else to explore within myself. Mm-hmm. And that is so exciting and yeah. wonderful.
1: Yeah. I love that. I, I You're so right. Like the feeling of something ending or figuring something out is where all the pressure comes. Yeah. Right. When you're trying to complete something or you're trying to end something, you're trying to get something over the finish line. Like that's where all the, stress and pressure and intensity comes from whereas when you say well i'm pretty much going to live with this i had someone the other day ask me actually it's just jogged my memory someone said to me they were like well how do i forget my past so i can move forward i was like you probably won't no. forget your past no and it's probably not a useful place to put your focus <laughs> right in trying to forget your past yeah and knowing you'll never forget it liberates you and then you can actually move forward and keep developing and i find that sometimes our fixations on completely the wrong target i agree and so we spend all this time trying to forget something yeah not and knowing that pretty much none of us can actually physically do that
0: well that's what I i feel about our conversation i'm like damn i truly have been thinking i need to find myself and now i am oh i actually need to just create it yeah so that's been yeah thank you for that that well, has thank been you. a well, impactful yeah. thing.
1: Well, you led us there.
0: Well, <laughs> we, we got there together. <laughs> we got together. All
1: right, now we'll go to the final five. These okay. have to be answered in one word to one sentence maximum. Okay, one That's word to one, one sentence maximum. One sentence is, I don't know what the official breakdown is, maybe seven words, I don't know, I'm making it up. Okay, okay. All right, so what is the best advice you've ever received?
0: I will say my dad always told me growing up, find a job that makes you happy. Have a career in something that makes you happy. It makes the world of a difference. That's grace. Yep.
1: Uh, second question. What is the worst advice you've ever heard or received?
0: Probably don't cry.
1: Yep. Question number three, uh, something special that your mom did for you when you called her all those times, something that you remember that stood out?
0: I think just her telling me that she would be there whenever I needed her. Sometimes mm-hmm. just hearing that is so calming. Mm. So her her reassurance that you can text me when you need me. Mm. Okay, thank you.
1: Absolutely, I love that. Uh, question number four, something you think people misunderstand about you if they don't know you deeply.
0: I think my outspokenness, I think is sometimes misinterpreted as ignorance whereas or attention seeking, whereas I just sometimes can't keep my thoughts to myself <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's never from a bad place it's from yeah. a place of let's have a conversation not this is my opinion and it's right it's no i'm just trying to add my bit to the conversation whether it's helpful or not
1: yeah
0: it's gonna be there <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love that and fifth and final question which we ask every guest since day one is if you could create one law in the world that everyone had to follow what would it be one law yeah be anything take your time take your time this is a
0: okay one law that anyone had to follow the law that i would create is you are not allowed to tell another human being what they can and cannot feel period
1: that's a great one we've never had that before. okay so good i was like oh people probably said that no no, no 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 that's yeah. a, and it's and it's completely aligned with with this episode yeah <laughs> uh, everyone, Lily Reinhart, so grateful to have had this amazing conversation with you. I've yeah, to you for you so hours. Much. We have talked. It's it was so much fun getting to know you and honestly hearing about your journey in such a intimate, vulnerable way was so special for me personally. For me as well. Uh, thank you.
0: I've been so looking forward to this. Oh no,
1: thank you. I had such a great time. And everyone who's been listening or watching back at home i want to make sure that you share what stood out to you i think there were so many incredible things that lily mentioned genuinely so many amazing points so many insights so many great reflections that she had and i love knowing what connected with you because and i know she'd love to know too she's nodding (laughs) along if you're not watching uh she'd love to know too so please do Tag us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, you're allowed. Uh, TikTok, (laughs) Instagram, Twitter, like do tag us to let us know what stood out, what was the point, what was the part, because this is one of those ones that I think you're going to listen to a few times. And as I said before, there are moments in this episode that I want you to repeat and listen to over and over again, maybe multiple times a week, because that repetition to hear that message again is what really gives us that permission to do it in our lives Lily, any final words, any thoughts, anything you want to share?
0: Just thank you. Thank you for having a space to talk about things that I two years ago didn't know were things to talk about. So I'm very grateful to have come into this world of wellness, genuinely, and uh, that you create this environment for the conversation.
1: Thank you. I, I deeply appreciate that. Of course. Thank
0: you. Thank you.